continue to study the book of Joshua, we realize obedience to God is required if we want to receive God's promises. The time has come for Israel to finally take the land of Canaan, the promised land. Joshua is now their new leader. And like Moses, Joshua is being directed by God on the how to take the land. So let's read the first five verses of chapter 3 of Joshua. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and he set out from the Acacia Grove and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and he lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. This is Joshua's first big command of God there to cross the Jordan. And he wants desperately to be obedient to God to the minute detail. When we move into new areas uh, that we find ourselves way over our heads, we try to make sure, at least I do, that I'm in tune with God. I don't want to be drifting away from God's will when I'm treading that new ground. And the first thing that we read about Joshua is that he rose early in the morning. I'm a firm believer in doing devotions early in the morning. Throughout Scripture, we are instructed by examples of great men and women of God how they rose early. David, when he was on the run from King Psalm, uh, from King Saul in Psalm 63, he writes, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. Isaiah the prophet. Uh, in the book of Isaiah, he writes, I will seek God early. Jeremiah proclaims, that God for 23 years has rose early to speak to you, O Israel, but you have not listened. And God has been faithful to send many prophets rising early and sending them. It appears to be a principle of God to seek him early and he will speak to us early. In John chapter 3, uh, 20, Mary Magdalene. She rose early to come to the tomb of Jesus, and she becomes the first person to see the risen Lord. And she did so by rising early. Now, when I do my devotions and my studies, I must do them early. 
if I wait until evening, my mind and what mental alertness I do have, it's non-existent at night. But consider this. How can you give God your day unless you rise early and devote it to him? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. What are you trying to give God if that's your time of devotion, your sweet dreams, your pleasant, sleepy dreams? No, we rise early to give God the day. Early devotion gives the Holy Spirit something to work with in our lives. And Joshua, he's about to begin his leadership of Israel, and he makes sure that he is up early to receive God's instructions. I think Joshua, without a doubt, is probably a little nervous. This is his new role, this, this role of being leader. And Israel is there. They're camped out on the eastern side of the Jordan River. And Israel is real close to being a nation of about two and a half million people. Sometimes we, we get our ideas of how strong Israel is by watching movies like the Ten Commandments. No, there was a lot of them. There was about two and a half million Israelites, and they're getting ready to cross the Jordan. And they're right across from the city of Jericho. But the entire nation, they're to stay back 2,000 cubits or about 1,000 yards. They're to stay back from the Ark of the Covenant, and they're to stay back where everybody can see the ark that's going to lead them. And Joshua tells the people, sanctify yourself. Or consecrate yourself to God. For me, sanctification usually requires repentance. <laughs> I want to make sure that I'm clean before the Lord. I want to make sure my heart and my motives are right on and that I'm not involving self. Before I dare come up here to this pulpit, I always want God leading and directing me. So I try to sanctify myself. I try to consecrate myself to the Lord before I come up here. Because I desperately want to be led of God's Spirit. But God continues with Joshua. And he says, tell this two and a half million people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. So let's read the rest of the chapter and see some of these wonders that the Lord's going to do. Starting in verse 6. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to magnify you in the sight of Israel, that you may know that I, that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here 
and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Pezazites, the Girgashites, a lot of ites there, the Amorites, and the Zebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand in a heap. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped into the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during this time of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very, very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down into the sea of Arba, the salt sea, failed, and they were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood, stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all of Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. God gives Joshua a promise. Today I will begin to magnify you in the sight of all of Israel. Magnify, or literally, Joshua, I'm going to make you appear great before the people. And God uh, now instructs Joshua, and Joshua will relay these instructions to the priests, to the different tribal leaders, and also to the people. And then verse 9 and 10, Joshua says, Come here and hear the words of the Lord, people of Israel. And here's the word, that the living God is among you, and without fail, God is going to drive out these different ites that we just read about. <laughs> All the... Uh, different tribes that now live in the promised land. And God declares, here's the proof that I am God and that I am with you. Uh, I'm going to drive them out from before you. What a blessing. God is going to show himself strong on behalf of Israel. I really like it when I find myself in God's will, meaning that I don't often find. No, I find myself in God's will all the time. Uh, but I really like it when it manifests itself around me that I'm doing things the way God wants me to. I can rest assured that God will then come against my adversaries. I can rest assured that he will make a way. He will make provision for me because I'm following him. And God's going to drive out all these different tribes, 
these foreign tribes before Israel on behalf of Israel. The entire nation of Israel now is going to cross the Jordan River, and it's at flood stage. And if you've ever been to Israel, the, the Jordan River is not very wide. It's maybe wide as this room at wide parts, and it's not very deep. But at flood stage, it's about a mile wide, and it's got depths up to 12 feet. And it's a raging river. They hadn't developed all the, the dams and the different thing along the river then, and so it would flood, and it, the river is a raging river, and this is when God is going to take them across the river. But this time, there's no waving of Moses' rod, and then the water's parting. The priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant... When their feet are in the water, when they step out in faith, the waters part. The waters of the Jordan will be cut off that flow down all the way from the Sea of Galilee. And the waters, they stand in a heap. A supernatural dam created by God. And there's several times that this has happened in in past history, two or three times over the last, I don't know, several hundred years. But the waters, they stand in a heap, and they stand in a heap about seven miles upstream at at an area known as Adam. Here's a thought. Did Israel have to wait for the river to flow that seven miles before they crossed? Probably. The the priests, when they start out to cross the Jordan, they stop in the middle of this riverbed. And they're standing there in the middle of this riverbed waiting for Israel to cross. Excuse me. Now remember that the people must stay 2,000 cubits away from the ark. The ark is in the middle of the river. So you've got this big diversion of the people going around the ark of the covenant to the other side. And the priest remained there in the middle of this riverbed until the crossing is completed. And this crossing of the Jordan is full of typology. The crossing of the Jordan symbolizes baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism in this manner. This multitude of people that are crossing, they have left Egypt, symbolic of sin. They have left sin behind. Now they cross over into God's promise. Where Israel crosses the Jordan happens to be the same location where John the Baptist baptized Jesus. The crossing of the Jordan, according to God, is proof to Israel that he is among them. The power of God is demonstrated in the fulfilling of his promises to his people, you will take this land, and now they have just crossed into the promised land. 
We will never be ashamed. We will never be disappointed when we trust God to fulfill his word to us. Sometimes we tend to think that we're going to be that one example where God's word doesn't come about and we kind of fall into the cracks. No, God is faithful and he'll be faithful to you and he is faithful to me also. <clears throat> All the nation of Israel has the assurance that God is among them through their baptism, through their coming through the Jordan on dry ground. Well, God gave us the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He gave the Spirit as a comforter to us, and he gave the Spirit as an assurance that God is with us. How do I know I'm a believer? God's Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm his. That's the assurance we have. Israel is experiencing God's power and favor simply by crossing the Jordan River into the Promised Land. And very soon, within several days, Israel will take the city of Jericho in a miraculous way through God's provision. But I find it interesting that John baptizes Jesus at the very same spot on this Jordan River where the children of Israel are crossing. Scripture is very interesting when we begin to look at the details. Jesus was crucified on the very same spot that Abraham offered Isaac. Same spot. Now we have Israel crossing the Jordan where Jesus, same spot, will be baptized. I just find those kind of things very interesting. But in Luke uh, chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, you may want to turn there, but I'll, <clears throat> I'll read it to you here as soon as I drink water. Luke three twenty one. Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed, the heavens were opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, You are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. We have Jesus being baptized before he enters his ministry. Jesus needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit, anointing him there at this baptism by John. He needed the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Consider, if Jesus needed the Spirit, the baptism, and he makes the Holy Spirit available to anyone who asks, as in earlier scripture reading. In all honesty, we should be pleading, even begging, that God would give us the Holy Spirit. That should be the heart's cry of every believer. But God the Father, Jesus the Son, he wants, they want us to have the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. 
Spirit. The Holy Spirit works in us, making it possible for us to live a life pleasing to God. But you may say, I already have the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm glad. I really am. And that's a good thing. Unfortunately, we leak. (laughs) And we need refilling of the Holy Spirit. And there is not a thing in the world wrong asking God to refill you with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is available to fill or refill us upon our need. Just a little side note. The Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove. A descending dove. The descending dove happens to be the logo of Calvary Chapel. You see it everywhere in Calvary Chapel. Descending dove. As humbly as I can say this, my brothers and my sisters, we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He is our helper. And here's the good news. God has made him available to us simply for the asking. There again in in Luke 11. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? All we have to do is ask for the Holy Spirit. We don't have to beg. We don't have to plead. We don't have to tarry uh, for the Holy Spirit. God is more than willing to give him to us. So I'm going to close in prayer here in a moment. And I'm going to ask that God would fill and refill us with his Holy Spirit. Why? Because we need it. It's that simple. We need him. So let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. First off, Lord, I want to thank you for making your spirit available to us. You said if we would ask, you would give. Lord, we're asking. You know more than we how much we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to live a Christian life, to be a witness unto you, Lord. We need your Spirit. So here we are, your people, simply before you, asking to be filled with your Holy Spirit, to be refilled if necessary, Lord, but we need your Spirit in our lives, working out all the good works that you have planned for us, living that life that's victorious. We cannot do it in and of ourselves. We need your Spirit, so we ask you to fill us afresh and anew. We ask this and pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.